from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program, featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Uh, feel free to chime in online if you like. If not, give us a call, 833-482-5337, 833-4VALDEZ. And welcome to the Friday night edition. This is where we let our hair down, and uh, we get into all sorts of things tonight. Uh, we've got a few things going on. Netanyahu's um, firing back against uh, the Biden administration after a visit from Secretary of State Blinken. This is interesting because he's been very uh, complimentary, I think. Netanyahu learned uh, that he has to take Hamas at its word. This is on hot air, by the way. Hamas is at its word because the United States, I don't understand this thing I'm reading here, (laughs) the United States and specifically Anthony Blinken and Joe Biden still have not, as Blinken have has met with the unity government in Jerusalem to push Israel to pause operations for aid flow into northern Gaza. Netanyahu delivered a rather humiliating public rebuke. All right, I won't read those sentences again. Um, But listen to this. Check it out. It's coming our way in a moment. Forgive us. It's when we let our hair down on Friday. Sometimes it's not ready on time. Go for it. We need to substantially and immediately increase the sustained flow of humanitarian assistance into Gaza and getting American citizens and other foreign nationals out of Gaza. Since we reached agreement with Israel, Egypt, and the United Nations two weeks ago on mechanisms to enable humanitarian aid to begin reaching civilians in need, we have scaled up deliveries. We've gone from zero to now over 100 trucks going into Gaza through the Rafah crossing every day. But this is still not enough. I spoke to Israeli leaders about tangible steps that can be taken to increase the sustained delivery of food, water, medicine, fuel, and other essential needs, while putting in place measures to prevent diversion by Hamas and other terrorist groups. Uh, We've identified mechanisms to enable fuel to reach hospitals and other needs in the South. Israel has raised appropriate concerns, concerns that we share, about Hamas's hoarding and siphoning of fuel in northern Gaza. Again, its cynicism knows no bounds denying uh, fuel itself that it has to hospitals uh, and other places that desperately need it. So that's Anthony Blinken today um, saying, look, hey, here we're taking our victory lap, patting ourselves on the back, being careful not to break our arm while doing it, saying we have to stop the war. We have to stop everything because, listen, you guys have your problems. I know your people were attacked by these terrorists, but you can't hit them back right now because we've got to get your enemies the supplies that they need to live now, listen, I know that I probably sound harsh, but I don't think we've done this in, in anything. I mean, I'm sure there's some examples, you know, in the middle of fighting. We, um, you know, you send in some medics and things like that. I, I do get that. Uh, but the, the idea of, of, a, of a ceasefire and in the middle of, I don't know, what's this? Monday they started with their incursion uh, on the ground or maybe over the weekend. You've got to be crazy. I mean, again, conventional wisdom tells me this. If you have a dog, right? I've had pit bulls most of my life. 
um, your dog gets into a fight, you want to try and take your dog off, but you run the risk of getting bitten by the dog, right? They're not going to stop fighting just because you're saying to stop. So when you have a country that was just attacked by these terrorists and they're going after them, you know, door by door on the ground, trying to make sure they don't kill innocent people in the process, which has been the big complaint of everybody. It's like, look, we know they're terrorists. It's very bad what they've done, but there's blame on both sides and blah, blah, blah. We just keep hearing the same old song. I don't know. I think Biden is out of his mind. I I typically do. I'm really frustrated with this because you got to, you know, we're here to support Israel, anything they need, except we're going to get in the way. (laughs) I got hairy legs. No, it's not a joke, man. And, you know, he's going to go there. Now we're bringing all this aid and supplies. There's other ways to do this. He could have called his friends in other places in uh, in Jordan and in Egypt and said, hey, listen, we're going to have to come through the back door. We're going to deliver them over here. It's up to Hamas to get them where they got to go, blah, blah, blah. This is clearly Biden interfering while saying one thing and doing another. I think this is a a stupid move from Biden. I'm glad Netanyahu's blasting him. I think he's a real gentleman. Honestly, I do. He's a real statesman when it comes to this stuff. Uh, I would have, I mean, I guess it's, it's a risky political game for him to say, hey, Biden, go F yourself, you know. Don't come here the way everybody else in that region dissed him when he went there to visit. But... I think that it's a, a bad move. And, you know, when I hear about the the um, the people coming in to the country uh, or the aid coming in, I'm thinking, is Biden smuggling in new terrorists for them? You know, you, you never know what's going on with these people. Well, in fact, the New York Post is now um, claiming that uh, Hamas is trying to smuggle out the wounded terrorists along with civilians to get them medical care. So another reason for Biden to pull this little sleight of hand to, no, we're bringing in aid. We need a ceasefire. Listen to this uh, quick little bit from the New York Post. A quite extraordinary statement from senior Biden official uh, during a call with reporters this evening, possibly explaining the slow pace of getting foreign nationals out of the Gaza Strip. Hamas was not allowing anybody to leave. And then they said that they would follow, uh, excuse me, they would allow foreign nationals to leave subject to a number of wounded Palestinians being allowed to leave as well, which, of course, is not objectionable. If, you know, if there are people that need aid, they need aid. Sure, I get that. But the list that was provided once it was vetted, about a third of the wounded Palestinians on the list were members of Hamas. And the Biden official who is being um, uh, on the condition of anonymity here is saying that this is subterfuge and it's unacceptable. I agree with that. I mean, Biden not only interferes in elections, uh, he interfered in an election in in Israel when he was vice president. Uh, There's obviously the interference that we see here right now where he's going after his own political opponent with everybody in his government and uh, going after Trump on the most bogus of charges, things that are outdated, things that could have been brought a long time ago, but they waited till now to do it just in time for election day. And here we have this. Hold on. It's a ceasefire. I've got hairy legs. Joe El Baboso Biden wants to send in aid telling Netanyahu, hold your horses. We got to get these people some stuff. And, you know, I I think the most brilliant thing I've heard on this whole war was uh, someone who lived close to the border and said, you know, Israel left whatever year that was. I'm going to say, was it 2015 that Israel left? And, or 2005. Can you check that for me, Alexander Hinton? 
the year Israel left and uh, handed over Gaza to Hamas. But whatever the case is, I'm drawing a blank on, on the year. The point is, in all of these years, they're still 2005. And they're still saying, uh, oh, because they shut off our water, they shut off our power, they shut off. Why on earth are they not getting power from Hamas? Why are they not getting water from Hamas? Why isn't Hamas taking care of their people? They've been there forever and they've had literally one election and that was it. It's like uh, President Xi, president for life, one election and you're in forever. And then they want to talk crap about Trump saying, oh, he'll never leave. He'll never leave. Unbelievable. The things that, that people, the double standards that people create are just ridiculous. And, and Biden should be absolutely ashamed of himself. But the problem with Biden is he's what my mother would call un sinvergüenza, someone with no shame. He can't be ashamed of himself. He's incapable of it because he possesses no shame. Anyway, we're going to get into a bunch of things tonight. I don't want you to move a muscle. I am Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And we're going to continue our conversation tonight with uh, one of my good buddies, uh, a gentleman by the name of Bruce Lavelle, longtime advisor and appointee to President Donald J. Trump, the 45th president of the United States. He was on board back in 2015 when Trump was running in 2016 uh, for for that campaign and in 2020. And he's still rocking with the president. Bruce Lavelle, welcome, sir. Hey, happy Friday. Thanks, Rich. Thanks for having me. You bet, brother. Happy to have you. I'm going to dig into a few different things. Uh, I know we, we mm-hmm. chatted on the phone a couple of weeks ago, and there was a few things that I wanted to talk about with you. You'd mentioned a piece that you'd written, and I want to get into that. Uh, I also want mm-hmm. to uh, get your take on a couple of things. We were just talking about this ceasefire, uh, the ceasefire into the um, the war. The Biden's called for a ceasefire to bring in some aid and whatnot into Gaza and Blinken thinks this is the best thing ever. Netanyahu's blasting him back, saying you're crazy. The New York Post was in a uh, a roundtable with a Biden official who said that they're trying to smuggle out wounded Hamas terrorists uh, with the alleged um, citizens that they're releasing from Gaza. And it's just a free-for-all that's going on. Uh, what's your take on all that? Yeah, well, thanks. Well, you know, I'm um, business-wise, I'm tied to a lot of business colleagues in Tel Aviv, um, of course, for the last 30 years. So I've lived a lot of friends and, uh, like I said, business colleagues who are there. Um, I do get daily, uh, should I say, updates on the state of what's going on, um, you know, just with friends and business people. And, you know, I, I, I understand, you know, a lot about the culture, but I also understand uh, Netanyahu, his willingness to finally seek out and hunt down and try to put an end to this. And I think for, you know, uh, Biden to 
you know, whatever he's trying to run, you know, being that he's so compromised with China, God knows everyone else. Who who knows? You know, yeah. it, it runs deep with that administration, unfortunately. So I think, you know, I, I'd have to side with uh, the Israelis like, you know, this has been going on. They shoot missiles. They shoot, you know, it's constant. And to uh, say, you know, hey, y'all need to stop um, and, you know, for them not to defend themselves, you know, Israel has the right, you know, uh, to defend themselves, you know. And so, you know, it, it's it's uh, it's their their situation. It seems like they're they're doing just fine. Um, we're not immersed in their their battle, per se. We, we have intel, et cetera, as an ally. But, you know, for him to defend his country by any means necessary, um, I think that they have every right. 100 percent. I'm with you. And I, I just can't believe that Blinken is, um, you know, making a visit over there and uh, Biden's there saying we need a ceasefire. Did Biden ever call for a ceasefire with uh, Vladimir Putin? <laughs> no, he didn't. You know, ironically, he never even called to even just say, hey, let's all meet and just work this out, which I think that's really bizarre. Um, and, and that was totally perplexed, even though knowing his his compromised family with Ukraine as well as Russia, you know, I would think like, look, you're on the take with both sides of the uh, the fence. So <laughs> Don't kill each other, them. guys. Keep meet. the money coming. Yeah, let's let's meet and let's at least you know, talk this over. And he never called for that to say, Hey, let's all meet in Singapore or whatever, a neutral state uh, country or somewhere. And which, which is bizarre in itself. So um, I don't see any real leadership coming out of the Biden administration, except to fuel and to, you know, instigate more war. Yeah. Now there's the piece that you wrote in um, the Washington times. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I want to dig into that because it was it was really interesting what you were telling me about and the way you were drawing the parallels between what's going on now and what happened in the past. Uh, tell us a little bit about it. Walk us through. Which one? I've read so the many one in the Washington sorry, Times, uh, the recent one in the Washington Times. You were drawing parallels to um, to the protests of George Floyd and, and juxtaposing them to the what we're seeing today. Yo, as it relates to Fannie Willis, that one and how yes, uh, how lopsided Funny it is. Fannie Willis, yeah. Well, but, and let me just yeah. add, Bruce Lavelle is is from Georgia, so he knows Georgia politics, and of course, you know, there's this yeah. trial going on to kick uh, Trump off the ballot in uh, in uh, what is it, Minnesota, and you've got uh, Funny Willis that's going after him, trying to put him in jail on RICO charges, and has already found a number of people guilty, like Jenna Ellis and others that have agreed to to mm-hmm. to plead out. And it's just fascinating to see how they're they're doing this, because, again, to the innocent bystander that's just watching this, they're going, well, I mean, the Trump people are all guilty. I mean, when there's where there's smoke, there's fire. Right. That's what people are going to think, Bruce Lavelle. Yeah. Well, just for the for the listeners, as it relates to Georgia and Jenna Ellis and uh, two of the other folks that played out, what happened was they were involved with a county election uh, officer who was giving them access to showing them, you know, the, the machine and the access to the facility, which is quote against the law. That is what they got, uh, pled to. It wasn't any other thing outside of some big grandiose uh, conspiracy to overturn. It was the fact that they were at a particular County and they were 
uh, involved in, you know, looking at material which is illegal. You know, and and I just say it like that. So just just for that case, a lot of people think like, oh gosh, they're all pleading out. Um, it's all really a nothing burger. And right. where I'm going with that, is, as it relates to Bonnie Willis, and I can take it. And there's two types of things that I wrote on that. One is recruiting wo- recruiting woke warriors. Um, that's yes. a piece I wrote months back, and how the the far left takes uh, money and they go after, um, especially black women and some black men, and as, as it relates to the DA's office, and they say, hey, we'll get you, we'll support millions of dollars behind you, we'll get you elected, but, Letitia James, you got to get Trump, but, Fonnie Willis, you got to get Trump, but, Alvin Bragg, you got to get Trump, and they they have been very uh, strategic as it relates to around uh, Oakland, uh, Los Angeles, uh, Chicago, Washington, D.C., many large urban cities across the country where they get this huge funding machine, Soros style. Not everything is on Soros, but there are many people like Soros. I can't give them all the credit, but a lot of the credit I can. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of people who don't has his, have, quote, his popular name who fund these particular district attorneys. And I'll tell you, um, when you're talking about raising money for a district attorney, if you raise 100000 you are golden. It's so hard to raise money for district attorneys, uh, you know, state house seats, state senate, you know, congressional seats, senate seats, gubernatorial seats are the are the ones that you raise, you know, a lot of money. Um, but those aren't, as, as you call them, very popular or have a lot of uh, flash to them, if you want to say that. So for a district attorney to get millions of dollars in their coffer, for example, Fonnie Willis, um, 92% of her fundraising comes from 44 states outside of Georgia. That means only 8% of the funding that she gets comes locally. So that tells you the culture of just the Fulton residents and the Georgia residents relates to what they believe in giving her money. So the outside entities weaponize these people, uh, these DAs like Fonnie Willis, Letitia James, and they get behind them with the big money machine. But in but you owe us this and this and this to go after Trump, and so yeah, it's fascinating. Bruce, how hang that, been. hold that thought right there. Uh, the music means we got to go, and we're going to come right back, folks. We're on with Bruce Lavelle. He's a longtime businessman, longtime advisor to President Donald Trump, and he's a Georgian, and he's breaking it down for us, Georgia style. Don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right here. It's Rich Valdez, America at Night. Our guest, Bruce Lavelle. Don't go anywhere. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. By the way, your ratings are up. Congratulations. I had somebody. It's always nice to check. I like to see, even if they're friends, I like to see how are they doing. Are people listening, right? That's but right. You're, you're doing great. America at Night with Rich Valdez.
All right, America, welcome back. We're on with Bruce Lavelle. And Bruce Lavelle is a longtime advisor to President Trump. He was describing the sordid way that funding is created for campaigns for district attorneys like uh, Funny Willis from Georgia, who's trying to make a name for herself and uh, go after Trump. You also got Alvin Bragg and then you got federal um, um, attorneys uh, or U.S. attorneys like um, uh, Jack Smith who um, Trump often, often, I can't speak today, (laughs) who often uh, refers to him as deranged Jack Smith. Bruce Lavelle, let's pick up where we left off with um, the funding for Funny Willis. Yeah, so anyway, like I was saying, the the money that the the 92% of that money coming from out of state um, and the weaponization of the how they're using those tactics across the country you know also with funny i, I wrote another op-ed uh for the washington times in september late september it was called the fall of fulton county through funny willis and for example with her stripping and robbing all the resources from fulton county which is a million residents which i reside in um the other cases are being neglected they're over 500 cases that are still waiting to be heard that therefore she's only uh, brought 66 from January to this day, 66 cases on criminal cases because of the resources that have been stripped away only for this Trump witch hunt. And so you can imagine, for example, uh, in Patrick Labatt's jail, you know, they had uh, inmates dying in there and people in there with really small charges waiting to be heard. It's been sitting in there over a year and a half. So it, wow. it's such a it's such a dire situation, especially in Fulton County, where the legislators are uh, have already voted to do go into an oversight. And the DOJ is about to. If, if not take over or go back into that jail again. I think the last time they did that was 2010. So there's always some, some drama and chaos, unfortunately, going on in Fulton County. But, you know, with, with Fani taking those resources once again and going after Trump through a political witch hunt, it's literally starving and stripping away the precious resources of the taxpayers here in Fulton County. And this is not the only state that's going through that. So, um, you know, I'm very optimistic about where this is going to land. The president called Brad Ratzenberger and and questioned the election after the election and asked him, you know, come on, Brad, I know I had more votes. Where are the votes? Go back and look. There was no quid pro quo. There was no threat. There was no uh, I'll give you money if you find that it was challenging the election. Meanwhile, uh, Stacey Abrams. And Hillary Clinton went on a campaign of saying Trump was a legitimate uh, president and, quote, uh, Trump stole the election. And then Stacey went on the same campaign and started a super PAC and said that Brian Kemp stole the election. They stole their 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 mis uh, misproposing trying to come after black people. They don't want you to uh, vote. And they stole it. And that was two years. And there's so much. Uh, video of her out there is just unreal of her claiming the election was stolen. So you, you, you see the hypocrisy in it. So where's their indictments for questioning the election? Right. So it, it's really sad, Rich, uh, because 
you know, it's like Rudy, I uh, talk to Rudy all the time, Rudy Giuliani, and he, of course, he got indicted too. And, yeah. you know, when he, had, when, he, when he was on the courthouse steps in the press conference, he says, you know, this pendulum swings. And he was, he was warning uh, even folks on the left, like, look, if you sit back and just, you know, this could be you. And, of course, I went deeper and says, you know, it's kind of like me looking out the window, Rich, and I'm seeing someone break in your house and steal and rob, and I do nothing except just watch it happen. And that's exactly what's happening right here. And I warned all the uh, – whether you like President Trump or not, right is right, wrong is wrong, because this pendulum, as Rudy said, can swing back. So it's imperative that we, as a republic, call it out for what it is, and it is wrong because, like I said, it could be it could be you, it could be your cousin, your brother, or whatever, and um, and we have to stand in the way of these judicial systems weaponizing these DA offices, et cetera, and these judges to because they want to stop and they have a political agenda to stop another political candidate because they don't want them or don't agree with them. Very dangerous. Mm -hmm. I agree. It's very dangerous. And you know, what's interesting. You brought up uh, Stacey Abrams. You brought up Hillary Clinton, Hillary, Hillary Clinton's uh, what a three time loser. Uh, You got Stacey Abrams, a two time loser. And all they do is complain about how the election was stolen. Nothing happens to them. They're never, you know, uh, nobody says they're inciting riots. They're inciting problems. They're destroying the fabric of democracy, yada, 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 everything you hear about Trump. Yet Trump actually won an election, right? He was actually president. Neither of them got to where they wanted to be. And and I just find that remarkable. And Stacey Abrams was on MSNBC yesterday uh, saying that uh, now defending Biden, defending the economy, even saying that people's lives are harder right now, but it's not because of Biden. Uh, and she was on with Jen Psaki. I want you to hear this quick clip. Listen to this. Are you mm-hmm. satisfied with the job he's done as president? What he's delivered on? I think President Joe Biden has been an exceptional president on a range of issues. He has overperformed expectation. He has navigated incredibly difficult circumstances. And he has shown that he is willing to stand with the people of Georgia, with the people of this country, to move the nation forward. We have to remember what we face if we want to continue to hold on the progress we've had. But we can't ignore the fact that people's lives are harder. And this is not because of the president. It is because of global issues and international challenges and market conditions and a whole host of things that don't matter to you when you're sitting at your kitchen table. So because of, you know, global issues, this, that and the third, the same global <clears throat> issues that existed when Trump was president, um, we have to give Biden a pass on the reason that, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're somebody that makes 100 grand a year, you feel like you're making 40 because inflation is crushing you and your family and the rest of uh, Americans. And if you make 60 grand a year or 40 grand a year, imagine how you feel then. None of that has to do with Joe Biden. But yet it, these same people were alive and benefiting from the economy while Trump was president. What do you think of what Stacey Abrams and Jen Psaki are selling to the people here? Yeah, you know, honestly, Rich, I'm just shocked that anyone even wastes their time and put Stacey on any show or anything, giving her any level of <laughs> clout. I, uh, that just I'm just blown away that in itself. You know, listen, you know, obviously she's having it. She's trying to carry the water pail. I don't know what her political ambitions are. You know, the first thing Biden did was he cut the Keystone Pipeline, sent thousands and thousands of workers unemployed, uh, took the bread off their table. And many rich were minorities and black uh, pipe fitters that uh, lost their jobs. We were oil independents. We were two and a half, three percent on interest rates of loans. We had low gas prices. We had consumer confidence at the highest. We had the Trump tax 
cut that incentivize small businesses, which uh, make up 62% of the GDP of 30 plus million small businesses as myself, uh, to lower the FICA, to have more money in your employee's paycheck where they can go out and spend more and have more discretionary income. He cut billions and billions of dollars of, of crazy regulations that were special interest and lobby uh, you know, funded. So the list goes on. And so for Stacey to sit up there and, and call something global, you, you remember when President Trump was in office, first of all, none of this would have happened. And, I, and I'll tell you this, Rich, you know, I'm, you know, I was with the president last week. I speak to him regularly. Um, I'm, I'm, I know we'll get back in the, the, the White House. I'm, the, there's no doubt I, in my heart. Um, what, what I'm praying for is someone after he comes out in 2028 that's going to carry the same similar policies and keep us successful and keep America first agenda on the forefront. That's what my prayers were, because you see how effective the Trump administration was, what we what we did. You know, he always used the term we for four years. And but you see how fast and devastating it could be destroyed with the wrong person in office. And that's before our very eyes. So that's what my my prayer is outside of, yes, putting President Trump back in the Oval Office, but someone who was going to come after him for that next 28, you know, and 32, you know, <laughs> 36, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, that, that's what my prayer is um, on and above with that. So, um, but we just got to remain optimistic. And, and obviously, too, and all the, all the listeners is, you know, keep the prayer prayers going um, for the Middle East. You know, it's, it's a it's a powder keg over there. You know, you know, the, the situation with uh, the neighboring countries, Egypt, Yemen, you saw what's going on over there. You see Jordan next to them. You basically see uh, a, a small state uh, or country surrounded by uh, other countries that would want them wiped off the face of the earth. So um, it's, uh, it's, it's a very uh, tough time right now. We have a, a commander in chief who's compromised. Comer is uh, just said today that he's going to release, uh, put the subpoenas out on the Bidens. Well, you know, um, I want to dig into that with you about uh, some domestic stuff and some Biden stuff. I'm going to take a quick mm-hmm. pause right here, Bruce Lavelle. Folks, we're on with Bruce Lavelle. He is a uh, businessman and longtime advisor to President Trump. Uh, he was head of the National Diversity Coalition for Trump. And uh, we're going to jump into some domestic policy issues. And, of course, your calls are welcomed. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. We're on with Bruce Lavelle. Bruce Lavelle, longtime advisor to President Trump, uh, who I met through the National Diversity Coalition uh, for President Trump. And I want to talk about this Biden corruption stuff and some domestic stuff. I also want to get your take um, on Rick Scott endorsing Trump. Uh, I don't know if that was a big shock to me, uh, but for some it was, um, you know, being that he's a Florida guy and they thought he'd go with DeSantis. And uh, he ends up going with Trump. But I feel like at this point, you know, as great as a guy as DeSantis is, um, it, it's kind of hard to go with him because it's 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 a a long shot. And B, 
you want to be with the guy that's going to win the nomination. And it, it seems clear that Trump is is on track for, I don't know, since last October, November, when he announced uh, he's on track to, to, to cinch the nomination. Bruce Lavelle. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm a Floridian, too, so I'm another house oh. there. <laughs> and and so, you know, I, I knew this was going to happen, but it tells you a lot about, uh, you know, obviously DeSantis had a really popular election. Um, and, you know, and Rich, and I'll just put it to you like this. I remember when this was going down, when uh, DeSantis was, was really begging for President Trump's uh, endorsement. And, you know, President Trump didn't even know him. And so, um, and, you know, and Andrew Gilliam's defense, Andrew Gilliam was very popular, mayor out of Tallahassee, very charismatic, man, he's a hard guy to, to be. And it was President Trump that went there and endorsed him and pulled him over the finish line. And so with that being said, you know, it's kind of like, hey, you know, um, you know, it's kind of like, it's like one of my old mentors taught me. He's like, you know, whoever takes you to the dance that night, make sure you go home with them. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, and I think, you know, over time, you know, he did mimic a lot of things from President Trump. I mean, he really, truly did, and, and, and which made him very, and a lot of folks did too. It wasn't so much trying to just the mannerism aspect, but just some really good policy ideas that they implemented that President Trump was doing. And that's okay. You know, that's what we want. We want to sell our ideas great ideas to our governors, our commissioners, our state yeah. house. We, Man, we I'd want love to have a thousand Trumps. Imagine how great we'd be doing yeah. with a thousand Trumps. Yeah, I like, I like the policies. I like the transparency. I like the, the <clears> double downing and owning up to it and calling it out and being very authentic and transparent with the public. I, I really love that. And there's, there's some good candidates out there like that, elected officials. And so, you know, with that being said, you know, he, he you know, for example, he just – you know, he, you know, it's just one of those things, man, you get drunk on that Kool-Aid and the worst thing you can do is get a bunch of politicals around you and, and special interests and super PACs telling you how great you are, and how much money they're going to give you and, and, and selling the idea that he's going to be indicted anyway, and pushed off the ballot. You need to stay in and all that, but realistically, they're not being truthful. And, and, you know, so he, he fell for the banana in the tailpipe and now he's at what, 11% Nikki's uh, you know, if not tied with him in South Carolina, and if not, probably going to gain ahead of him. And so now he's attacking her, and it's 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 not a good thing. And to the answer to your question on Rick on Rick Scott, as well as Byron Donalds, Corey Mills, very popular Congress folks out in Florida, those as well guys as didn't, senators, were, they weren't on the fence, right? I think I think um, um, Mills and Donalds were were always on on Trump. Yeah, they were early on, but but yeah. I can tell you where it came from, and there's many more coming out. There's a popular state rep, several state reps have joined President Trump, you know, is the fact that, you know, they're like, they were trying to, and I understand it, you know, because I know the chairman in Florida, Christian Ziegler, I know a lot of folks in Florida, and they're trying to, you know, like, all right, Governor, you know, DeSantis, we're here, we're trying to work with you, you're trying to live with you, but come on, man. And so now they're at a point now, look, and, and, you know, Byron, you know, I know Byron very well. He says, you know, he just had, he just wasn't real, you know, talkative to me. He never really wanted to engage or do anything or whatever. So, you know, there was a lot of, uh, uh unfortunate, uh, access uh, issues. coldness. Yeah. That came out with that. And that like, might well, be fine. his team. You know, you know I've, I've talked to DeSantis a few times, a really nice guy. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah. I know we've reached out a couple of times to, to invite him on. We invited all of the presidential candidates on, and most of them came yeah. on. Uh, but his team yeah. never really wanted to come on. And uh, when one big Florida story happened when that hurricane hit, we invited um, uh, him on. He didn't want to come on, but um, we got Jeanette Nunes, the lieutenant governor, very charming, loved to have her. And yeah. we had a great conversation, but I just found it odd. Uh, you know, this is the largest show in, in syndicated uh, late night talk radio in our time slot. Yep. And I, I was just, you know, like, why not get in front of this audience of five, close to six million people and and make your case, you know, um, when you have a chance to. And, and you didn't take the yeah. chance. And, and I think that that hurt him. Uh, not just me. I'm just saying that that attitude like you're talking about, saying like Brian Donald's and everybody saying that they can't get to the guy. I think that that's not a. Um, a great place to be. Bruce, can you stick with me for just a couple more minutes so that we can wrap yeah. up and take one more pause? All right, folks, yeah. we're on with Bruce Lavelle, longtime advisor to President Trump. Don't move a muscle. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. We're on with Bruce Lavelle, and he's a longtime advisor to President Trump, worked on both campaigns, and has been a surrogate on TV with him uh, for for a number of years. Uh, Bruce Lavelle, I want everybody to know how they could find you. And by the way, we got a caller. We won't have time to get to you, but Stephen Atlanta, WGKA, he says he would like to back Bruce Lavelle for Secretary of State. So just know that, Bruce Lavelle, you already got fans out there that want you to run for secretary or to be chosen as uh, Secretary of State. Uh, Bruce Lavelle, let everybody know how they can keep uh, up to speed with all the great work you're doing. Yeah, thanks. I stay uh, active on X, uh, Twitter, uh, Bruce underscore L-E-V-E-L-L. And of course, Bruce Lavelle at Truth Social. And I'm on Gatter and I'm on Facebook and I'm on Instagram on everything out there. I do a lot of hits on on Newsmax and like Rich said, of many uh, media outlets, radio, et cetera. Um, my title is the president's OG. And to that caller, my, the president always asked me, when you're going to run, when you're going to run, I said, well, I have to get you back in first quote. Uh-huh. And so that's penned on my, my Twitter account that him actually asking me in a, in a public forum. So, you know, I, I just tell all the listeners to like Rick Scott said, let's, we're going to unite behind President Trump. He's polling 53, 60% in certain places. And, you know, we went, the country went through an unfortunate shutdown. It wasn't a fair election. Uh, we, were, we were bombarded with mail-in ballots, which was totally unfair. And um, they outmaneuvered us. And so this time we're going to be better this time. Sounds good to me. Bruce Lavelle, I didn't know that you were in Florida, too. Uh, I was uh, I was in Palm Beach this week. Next time I'm in town, hopefully we can connect. Or when you're in New York, we can connect. Folks, Bruce Lavelle, give him a follow. Check him out. Bruce, you're a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot. I want to thank you for staying up late with us. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Rich. You bet. More to come straight ahead. I'm Rich Valdez. Live. 
from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late-night talk program, featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And, of course, we're talking about all the big headlines of the day. Uh, Netanyahu rebuked the Biden administration after Secretary of State Blinken went in and said, hey, listen, I know you guys are trying to defend your country, but hold on. We need a ceasefire. We got to bring some supplies in. And uh, that wasn't very welcome news. And Netanyahu made it very clear that he wasn't happy about it. Uh, then in the um, trial against Donald Trump in the classified documents case, uh, Judge Cannon has agreed to delay the Department of Justice trial. Uh, so we'll uh, get into that a little bit later. Uh, Hezbollah leader is now saying that fighting on the Israel border could turn into all out war. I thought it was a all out war. <laughs> they went in there and they burned small children. I, I, I These people are nuts. Uh, and that's the, their first public comment since the Israel Hamas war began. Although they did have that one spokesman that was asked about burning small children. And, and of course, uh, right, that's true. Hezbollah is different from Hamas, but you know me, um, tomato, tomato. And um, he got up and walked away when asked uh, a very difficult question. And uh, there's, uh, of course, uh, 13 Democrat senators now that are requesting a temporary ceasefire uh, in this war as well. And remember that uh, CNN producer, John Griffin, who um, sexually assaulted a nine-year-old girl? Well, um, they've reached a settlement on that lawsuit. So uh, we'll get into that a little bit later as well. But I wanted to talk about some of the division that we see in America, whether it's on this this war or anything else. And it's, it's, it, it's always the case, right? I think that there used to be a time and a place where we celebrated bipartisanship, we celebrated meeting in the middle. And I think what we've learned is that compromise can be useful uh, at times, but there are certain things you can't compromise on. Like, for example, uh, oftentimes I'll, I'll bring up uh, the, the sordid history of uh, these two crazy doctors, right? The first of which is uh, Dr. Alfred Kinsey, who um, led research on, on infants and, um, and, in fact, molested these infants, saying that, they could derive pleasure from sex and that infants could in fact reach orgasm. Not me, him. He said that. And this is, this guy was a sicko and others that followed in his footsteps, like uh, Dr. Daniel Carlton Gajasek. Now Gajasek suggested that you're not truly allowing a child to experience the fullness of, of their childhood. If they don't participate in intergenerational sex, meaning sex with their mom, sex with their dad, sex with their uncle, sex with grandpa. Right? He believed that to be a healthy thing for a child. This is a sick bastard. So when you have these people, uh, and I'm making an ex extreme example for the sake of the argument, you can't compromise, right? You can't compromise with people that are nuts. And this causes divide. 
And divide, in my opinion, it can be a good thing, and sometimes it's a bad thing. And, and you got to take a look at what the, the issues are. But there's a University of Maryland poll uh, called the Critical Issues Poll, and it shows uh, that of 1,000 people that were polled, you've got 72% of Republicans, uh, specifically on the Israeli war issue, uh, they want the U.S. to lean towards supporting Israel, while 57% of Democrats want the U.S. to lean towards neither side. And this is from October 20th through the 22nd, two weeks after the Hamas terrorists attacked uh, Israeli civilians near the Gaza border, killing over 1,400 people and kidnapping hundreds. They're still holding a nine-month-old child as a hostage. So that's just one issue that's currently in the headlines. But uh, they also asked uh, participants in the poll to characterize the position of President Biden. 40% of the poll respondents said they didn't know, while 28% uh, called his position on this about right. 26% of Republicans described Biden's response as too pro-Palestinian, while 25% of Democrats said he was too pro-Israel. So clearly, and that's just one issue that they're polling on, but ultimately there is a divide in this country, whether it's to have an open border or a secure border, whether it's to have low taxes or Biden's infinite taxes, whether we should cut spending or whether we should bloat the budget and continue to destroy this country's economy uh, by adding more and more and more to our $33 trillion deficit. And you name it, and there's people on both sides of the issue, and the divide widens. It's a chasm right now. And there are issues where we can come together. And this situation is an interesting one. Mason Douglas, he's a singer and a songwriter. He's got a brand new um, campaign, something called I Miss America. And I want to learn all about it, but I want you to hear a clip of his song. Check this out. That's Mason Douglas, a singer and songwriter, and his song I Miss America. But he's got a whole movement that he's derived as a result of it. And Mason Douglas is here. Mason Douglas, welcome, sir. Rich, thank you so much for having me. It's such an absolute honor to be uh, talking with you here. This is this is awesome, Phil. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me. Oh, thank you, brother. I appreciate you staying up late to chat with us, and I, I love what you're doing. Uh, the fact you're using your talent to um, to try to bring America together, and I agree, we need to come together. I think the reason we have this big divide we have on many issues is because people are getting, in my opinion, bad information. They're buying into bad uh, bad thinking, if you will, where they, they they don't look back like you just did in your song saying, I miss the old America. And, and you know, people hear that and they go, oh, it's a dog whistle. They missed uh, the racist South. They missed Jim Crow. Nobody's talking about that. I don't think you're talking about that. I know I'm not talking about that. Uh, we're talking nope. about when things were better, when you, you, you talk to your neighbor and you could d- disagree. One could like the Yankees. The other one could like the Mets. And you could still, you know, say hello to each other and not not want to kill each other. And it, it seems like we've we've heightened the uh, the rhetoric and politics and really in culture to a fever pitch where it's like, hey, why am I the bad guy? Because I want my little boy to be a boy or because I want my little girl to be a girl. And and the, these these issues, there there's so many of them and I, I, the issues are there. But I think the important thing is we can disagree agreeably at times. And there's times where we have to disagree vehemently. But we do have to come together as Americans. Tell us about the I Miss America uh, tour, if you will. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, you you hit the nail on the head with so so much of it there, Rich. The the big thing is we're all getting fed this all just the extreme stuff from from either side, and what we're forgetting is that our neighbors, everyone around us, probably doesn't think too far from the way we all think. Whether which no matter which side you're on, we're all kind of just hanging out a little bit in that middle common sense area. And yet all we get is the headlines of the absolute, you know, extreme sides of, of either way. And, and we think that the complete, uh, you know, the entire party is, uh, is thinking that way. And, and that's, uh, that's not the case on either side. And so it, a lot of it just comes down to communication. And the, 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 the America I miss is what you were talking about, about it doesn't matter which generation, but I still remember my family being able to sit there with people, best friends of ours, who didn't agree uh, politically at all. And yet they still clinked a beer together. They still had the conversation and they still walked away friends. And it wasn't nearly as cutthroat as it is today. So the, the message with Ameri- uh, I Miss America is um, – Actually, the first thing that we want to talk about is the website, imissamerica.com. Uh, anybody's listening, if you're wondering kind of where to find all the info and the, the video, we have a great video that kind of uh, satirically, in, in a way, humorously, uh, we can talk more about this in a second, but uh, brings that message you were talking about. Uh, everybody's sitting around the table, having a conversation with different views. Um, but yeah, great video taking care of that, imissamerica.com, along with a newsletter we're putting out there and a way to uh, display your uh, um, support of the of this movement you're talking about. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of just the uh, underlying underlying sentiment. Less fighting, more uniting is what we're going for because we're doing a little bit too much of that fighting domestically. We got so much to worry about internationally, which you, you were talking about at the top of the hour there. There's too much to worry about overseas. Let's start at home. Let's figure this out and uh, move forward rather than uh, fighting with each other. Mason Douglas, it says here in something that I'm reading that the campaign for I Miss America, the single and the music video, features comedy legend and former Saturday Night Live star Victoria Jackson. That's pretty cool. Tell us how that collaboration came about. Oh, man, she is just one of my new favorite ladies that uh, that I have in my life. She is obviously a legend. I'm, everybody knows her from yeah. SNL, but I knew her from uh, uh, the Weird Al Yankovic movie UHF. And so when she signed <laughs> on, not only was I like, oh, my God, it's Victoria from Saturday Night Live, but also she was in UHF and Casual Sex and all these movies that uh, – uh, that I was kind of growing up on. Don't tell my parents I watched casual sex when I was like <laughs> that in my teens, but hey, I did. Um, but she was in all these great classic movies, and then she came on set and just had everybody cracking up in stitches. Uh, and no matter what she's telling you, she'll talk about her battles with cancer. She'll talk about her family, her married life, all this stuff, and you will just be cracking up because she is so uh, so dang funny and just has comedy down to uh, a masterful science and, and, and craft. But yeah, having her come on, I was just blown away that she would even uh, be part of this project. And, and it just, uh, it was absolute dream come true to have her. We had some improv legends with um, our specialists, I should say, she was the legend. Then we had some improv specialists with Oddity Improv here in Nashville. Um, we had Kelsey and Chris and, uh, and Jeff all hanging out, uh, bringing their magic to, uh, to the video as well. We didn't want to be too serious with the video. It's a serious subject. Everybody's putting a serious take on it. We wanted people to be a little bit entertained by the message, but sure. still take away what we were um, what we're going for. So, um, so yeah, we have them all. We're, we're all sitting around the table. We have the woke sister. We have the redneck brother. We have mom trying to keep everybody <laughs> together. 
fighting across the table and uh, just kind of shows how, how we can all still be Americans, uh, family sitting at the table, don't have to agree, but we can still still have that meal, still have that conversation. Well, Mason uh, Douglas, I want to continue to um, discuss what you're doing with this with this campaign through your music. And I want to learn a little bit more about uh, how you got into the music business and some of your songwriting credits and a bunch of other stuff. So stick with me, folks. We're on with Mason Douglas and we're talking about his I Miss America campaign. It's his uh, new song and uh, video that are out and uh, the campaign that he's bringing across America to unite and eliminate some of the division that's out there. Stick with us, plus your calls and more coming up, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Bring it on, the American dream. Folks, that's Mason Douglas. I could listen to this stuff all day. Uh, Mason Douglas, thank you for being here with us again. And I want to know, how did how do you get into this, right? You grew up in Nashville and you just said, hey, I'm, I'm going to get into country music. How did it work? Well, actually, uh, I grew up in, in Tucson, Arizona as an Air Force brat. So my dad is, uh, was a uh, uh, F-4 fighter pilot in Vietnam. He was the uh, wow. 357 squadron commander and taught all the pilots how to fly those A-10s, those tank killers, uh uh, that we that we are all all recognized there. So that was my lifestyle growing up. I was Air Force uh, fighter pilot mentality in my household. <laughs> Every time I came home from school, and um, but yeah, music kind of took me later on in in high, in high school and college. And so I never served in the military, but I find in my songwriting. Um, so much red, white, and blue comes out in, in my music. And I've had a lot of kind of uh, patriotic songs that have been out there. I had a number one with Kid Rock and We the People. I had John Schneider, Bo Duke, Duke of Hazard fame. He cut a couple of my songs, one of which was a military tribute called Buy You a Beer. My first country top 40 was American Beauty. So I'm, I'm just finding this thread in there that keeps happening. Um, but it's because that's that's what I grew up on. That, that's what I know the best. And, and it always just... Uh, spills out of me in, in, in my music. So uh, I, I will take that message over over beer drinking and, and pickup trucks any day, to, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, so yeah, I, I knew music was what I wanted to do with my life. And, and uh, so anytime I get the chance to put one of these messages out there, uh, especially this day and age, right now is the time we got to start saying this stuff. Um, it's been a little bit too long of just letting, letting things fly. So a few people have to stand up and at least say something and rather than, than stay silent. Now, Mason Douglas, you, um, in addition to singing your songs, you write your songs and you have some other collaborators, but you've also collaborated with some songwriting credits. I'm looking here at one of Kid Rock's number one hits, We the People. How did that come about? Yeah, um, man, just got to meet uh, Kid Rock through friends and and, uh, other collaborators invited me in on on the sessions and had a great idea. We started a track um, and yeah, we just, we knew he... Bob Kid Rock knew he wanted something that that was just gonna smoke the faces off people with uh, with something patriotic, but he also had to put his spin on it. And I was just uh, man, I was happy to be in that room with him, hanging out, contributing what I could. And when he um, it, that song took four years to do due to COVID, lack of touring, and just um, also the political environment, he was waiting for the right time to release that. So we had a little bit of time to to piece it together. And when he did, it, man, it turned a lot of heads. We started hearing that at uh, um, at political rallies, and it became a sort of protest song that they were uh, that were playing over their loudspeakers. All these protests, 
Uh, and then to go to his show, and it's the last one he plays uh, during his, his main set, and to, to see 20,000 people screaming, We the People, and, and something you just wrote on an acoustic guitar sitting on the couch one day, it blows my mind. So I've, I've been so fortunate to be part of that, that whole ride. Amen to that, brother. It sounds like a, a really great career, and I wish you the best with this campaign and with uh, everything you've got coming forward. Uh, Mason Douglas, let everybody that's listening know how they can keep up to speed with everything you're doing, how they could follow you on social. And of course, uh, we've already discussed the imissamerica.com website, uh, but let everybody know where to go. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. But if you just search for me, Mason Douglas music on any of your search engines, it'll pop up right there at the top. Uh, Mason Douglas music.com is my website easy enough, but yeah, hit, hit up. I miss America.com. Get on the newsletter. Um, and, and that video right there, that's the biggest thing. We want to share that. If you, if you love it, if you hate it, go ahead and leave a comment. Let us know either way. <laughs> that, that's what we're looking for is uh, just to get people's eyes on it, get the message resonating. We've had far more people love it than hate it. Uh, so, so share that. Check it out. Get on that, get on that video. Comment. And, yeah, and, and newsletter on imissamerica.com. Those are the biggest things to help, uh, help get that word out there and, and keep this movement rolling. And if people want to check you out live, uh, are there tour dates uh, that are coming up, or should they check the website? What do you recommend? Uh, yeah, check the website for anything coming up. Usually I'm at the an intimate songwriter venues here in Nashville. I've, uh, I've got a two-year-old, so touring is not something I'll be doing in the foreseeable future, but I will be at sporadic dates here and there. And then mainly here in Nashville, there'll be uh, little songwriter shows popping up. But right now we're we're pl- we're we're banking on digital and social media to get this uh, to get this message out there. Well, happy to help you get the word out here, Mason Douglas. Godspeed to you, sir. You're a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot, and I appreciate you staying up late with us. Rich, thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you. You bet. God bless, folks. Rich Valdez coming right back. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. And there was an article in the Wall Street Journal, and I thought it was interesting. Um, Here's the headline. The cannabis that people are using for anxiety is probably making it worse. Anxious consumers are looking for help, and pot companies have promoted their products as an answer. And they interview a doctor. And uh, basically what she says is that most of my patients, uh, Dr. Beth Salcedo, psychiatrist and medical director at at the Ross Center in Washington, D.C., they ask her, you know, is it really working for your patients? And she says, well, of all the patients that I have that are using medical marijuana, all of them are still my patients and all of them still have anxiety. So her take is that most of them are just getting high. And while they're high, they forget that they're anxious. But the anxiety continues. So it's not really uh, a treatment for it, right? It doesn't really make it go away. It just, they get high. Uh, and that's her opinion. 
Uh, so I wanted to get to the bottom of that. And of course, we've got our resident expert that I love having on the show, Dr. Vince Callahan, who uh, he's the author of, uh, of, of a lot of really good things. But the book he's got right now is The Neural Classroom, Restoring the Stressed Brain. And he's uh, the founder of the Florida Institute for Neural Discovery, F-I-N-D. And they're out of Florida, so you could check them out at F-I-N-D-F-L.com, findfl.com. Dr. Vince Callahan, welcome back, sir. Thank you so much for having me. I love being on your show. Uh, I appreciate that. And I think the listeners appreciate your expertise. And when I was reading this, um, I thought it was fascinating because, you know, sometimes you see stuff and there's people out there like, oh, no, weed's the best thing ever. And then you have others that, um, you know, like this woman who I think was fair in her assessment. Um, she's probably doing the prescribing for some of this medication, but is herself saying that, in fact, uh, she feels that they remain um, um, anxious. And I'll, just to give you a little clip of this here, uh, survey last year found that nearly two-thirds of the people said they would prefer to use cannabis rather than pharmaceuticals to treat a medical issue, according to the survey conducted by the Harris Poll on behalf of a cannabis company. Almost 2,000 adults who were at least 21 years old, and among them, 54% said uh, th- that they had used cannabis. 41% said they'd consumed uh, cannabis to reduce anxiety. That Dr. Salcedo says, I have patients who use it every day. They say it really helps. Um, of course, she goes on to say, my message is that if it were really working for you, you wouldn't be here with me. <laughs> I, I thought True. that was really well put. What say you, Dr. Callahan? Well, I say I agree with what the doc is saying. First of all, it all depends on how much you're using. Um, treatment for anxiety using cannabis can work if it's done in low doses uh, versus the higher doses, because when you use higher doses, it creates more anxiety. And, you know, the logical question is who, who would use a low dosage of getting high? So people are, especially on the gummies, they're not doing what's recommended. I have patients who will take 10 gummies at a time just to get wow. high for four, five, six hours. And then when the, when they, when the high goes away, now you've got the anxiety that comes rushing back, the after emotions of what you've done. So I don't know of anybody that even when, with a medical marijuana card that actually does the prescription, so to speak, of, of what they should be using because, hey, if I've got a legal way to get high and I don't have to worry about my problems, why wouldn't I do that? But then when the high goes away, you've still got the same problems and you've still got the same anxiety. Well, that's interesting. So what is the, the low dose? How does that work? How does uh, something like that work where it's actually effective for someone? Well, like on you, let's just use the gummies, for instance. Um, probably, I think the patient I've talked to recently about that who actually does the 10, um, the dosage would be one or two, you know, and instead of taking one or two, they'll take 10. And, and are, are those like um, a certain amount of milligrams or or a certain percentage of THC content? Yeah, it's a low it's a low percentage of the THC. Um, THC. If you're going to treat anxiety with THC type stuff, essential oils are so much better than actually using marijuana uh, because you don't have all the side effects. When you start using even medical marijuana or the the uh, chewables. You start changing personality. 
you get into paranoia, you get into uh, irritability, you, you get into lots of things that happen that are there because of the marijuana usage, and you get mm. the dependence on it. So, you know, let me tell you, and I don't know how this compares, <clears throat> but uh, every now and again, working the hours that I work, I find it uh, challenging. You know, I, I end at 1 a.m. Eastern time. And like most people, I drink some coffee before work. My work starts at 10 p.m. at night. So the coffee right. doesn't always wear off right away. So I'm, you know, I'm here having a good time talking to everybody all across America. It's a blast. Plus, it, you know, you, there's a high that comes with doing a radio show. And once you're done... It's like, okay, what now? Right? So I'm ready to go everywhere at, right. at one o'clock right. in the morning and there's nobody around ever. So uh, I watch TV. I do whatever. Sometimes I curl these 25 uh, pound dumbbells I have. And eventually, you know, on a good night, I'll fall asleep by 2 a.m. Um, you know, once I, I leave and everything. And, and uh, on a bad night, 3, 3.30, sometimes closer to 4. Um, so somebody recommended to me to use magnesium gummies. And uh, okay. not somebody, my doctor actually recommended me 500 milligram pills. Then somebody recommended me uh, magnesium gummies. And I got to tell you, those things work really well, magnesium gummies. Um, why is, why, why don't, why, why is, I feel like it's a big secret that nobody knows about. Um, have you heard about magnesium gummies to, for like helping with sleep? I have. And then there's other natural supplements that have, uh, not only melatonin, but some vitamin B and some vitamin D in there. Um, and I use one called Put Me to Sleep that, that I just get at a health store. And that actually begins to calm my brain down at night. And within 30 to 45 minutes, I'm ready to go to sleep and we'll get four, five, six hours. Because like you, I'm, I'm a night owl. Obviously, I'm up this late talking yeah. to you. But, uh, you know, I, I understand the whole wind down thing. But yeah, magnesium is a good is a good natural uh, supplement that is used instead of THC, instead of the, the medical marijuana. I, I think it's just too easy to get high these days, and people don't want to deal with their stress, but it causes more stress using the marijuana. Yeah. Now this thing you're talking about put me to sleep, and I don't want you to promote any products uh, that you you know, you're not allowed to promote. But uh, just explain it. What what's in it? Um, it's just a mixture of vitamins and melatonin, and it's called Put Me to Sleep. And um, it's, I mean, I don't mind promoting it. It's, all, it's off the uh, website from Dr. Daniel Amen, um, BrainMD.com. Oh, I love him. He's terrific. Yeah, he's right. a really good guy. He is terrific. So he's got a product called Put Me to Sleep. It actually works. I use it, and it's an, it's an amazing product, and it's all natural. And I go right to sleep within 30 to 40 minutes. That's good to know. I'll, I'll definitely pick up some of those. Now, in addition, while we're on that topic, uh, when if people are um, facing similar problems or whether it's anxiety or having trouble winding down after work, what's your, your recommendation to people, um, you know, and not necessarily supplements, just anything, exercises, talking, whatever. I don't know. There, I'm sure there's a lot of different ways. Uh, but people are, are wound pretty tight nowadays, especially with all of the what we see with the economy and, and global affairs and domestic affairs. Um, what do you recommend for people to um, to relax more? Because people are saying they're using marijuana for anxiety. I got two doctors now saying it doesn't really help unless it's you're saying in low doses and, and still has side effects. So what's the, the best recommendation to handle anxiety? 
Um, well, to hand, anxiety is based in worry, and it's based in the what-if scenario. So that not knowing what's going to happen, and you get these ruminating thoughts about what if, uh, the more routine that you can put in your life gets rid of the what ifs, and you don't go down the worry road as much. Uh, for sleeping, I recommend to my patients, turn your screens off at least an hour before you're going to go to bed. People try to fall asleep with their screens. It actually does the reverse in your brain. So the, the most simplistic thing to do is to actually turn your screens off, turn your TV off, um, and, and try to go, you know, start winding down and get into a routine. Uh, the most important thing you could ever do is get a natural rhythm, that circadian rhythm going, where you are getting to bed around the same time and you're getting up the same time. And um, the more the, you do that, you don't need an alarm clock, to be honest pretty amazing how that works yeah that pretty for me it works like clockwork as long as i fall asleep around the same time i wake up around the same time and uh Mm -hmm. and i thrive in routine i have adhd and i don't take any adderall or any anything none of that stuff ever worked well for me so for me routine really really helps to pretend to be normal and uh right i i I swear by routine (laughs) i eat the same stuff every day i have the same coffee i go to the same place I kind of I'm a real creature of habit uh, habit in order to uh, maintain that level of normalcy. Otherwise, it's very easy for me to go all over the place. So good advice. Well, Doc. I, I'll, I'll give you a compliment, if you don't mind. Sure. For someone who has ADHD, you've got it going on pretty good. And it sounds like you're extremely healthy. And that oh, kudos you. to you on that. Well, thank you. It's taken a long time to try to figure this thing out, including getting into radio. Uh, because I realized I could not work in a desk job. I could, there was a lot of things like tell me I have to do a spreadsheet and I'm getting fired, right? I'm not not doing it. (laughs) It'll never happen. (laughs) So I've learned in life and I was like, what, what kind of work can I do where I don't, you know, I could use my personality and, and, and all these ideas and, and the, the speed of my brain where I can still thrive without, um, you know, having to type something or do this or do that. And, and I, we landed in this place called radio and thank God for it. Uh, It's an amazing thing. So thank you for your kind words. And I'm going to take a quick pause here. We're coming right back with Dr. Vince Callahan. And uh, we're discussing uh, the effects of marijuana and on anxiety. It doesn't seem to be working. Plus, your calls and more. If you want to weigh in on the conversation, give us a call. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. We're on with Dr. Vince Callahan. He's the founder of FIND, Florida Institute for Neural Discovery, their website, find-fl.com. And Dr. Callahan's great because he knows a lot about a lot of stuff. Really, really smart guy. And he's got a brand new book that you got to check out. It's called The Neural Classroom. And we talked a little bit about this last time. And I was fascinated by this concept. I'm oftentimes fascinated by psychological concepts. Um, But The Neural Classroom, Restoring the Stressed Brain. And the last time we were together, we talked about the stressed brain 
and how it mimics other things, like in particular, some of the symptoms of ADHD, but how the brains are actually different. The stressed brain can be fixed. The ADHD brain can't. <laughs> and and uh, you can manage things, but they're two different things, and the approach to them is interesting. And I find this interesting because I didn't get my ADHD diagnosis until I was in my 30s, and it was because life was just absolutely insane. And uh, I read an article, believe it or not, and I said, wow, I go through that. And I tracked down the doctor in the article and I was like, I want to talk to you. And he said, I don't see patients privately. But he said, but my colleague here at uh, NYU Medical School, uh, they, they both taught at NYU Medical. Um, he said he still does have some private uh, practice. Uh, and I don't know if he takes new clients or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I talked to the guy. I went, had an evaluation with their, the top guy there. And he said, man, in 38 years of teaching this stuff in medical school, you're like the most classic case I've ever seen. At which time they put me on uh, four different uh, stimulants, not at the same time. I tried out four different ones. I didn't tolerate any of them. And then I tried the non-stimulant, which worked, but it worked for a little while. Then it didn't work. And being normal, like, you know, uh, not shaking my leg, not having to get up, not having to, you know, do what ADHD people do. Uh, was cool for a little while, but it was also odd. It was very odd to be able to sit through a very boring, long meeting without getting distracted. And it wasn't a relief. And then I read another article by the CEO of JetBlue. And he said that he would never have found the success that he found becoming CEO of JetBlue if he didn't have the creativity that came with having ADHD. And I said, you know, I'm going to try and go cold turkey here. And that was like 2011. And, uh, Ever since I've been uh, flying high off my own crazy and no, no stimulants. So, Doctor Vince Callahan, what's your approach when you're dealing with folks with ADHD? Because it's a it's a very complex and still growing field, if I'm not mistaken. And one of the things that I deal with, um, especially with kids, um, is the whole feeling that they don't fit in. Um, sure. They're not like everybody else. They're abnormal, so to speak. And so one of the things that folks with ADD deal with is low self-esteem because they're, they're not like everybody else. And I, I work with them in that area. And if you uh, look at how the brain is different, their brain is processing information so fast. Uh, they have short-term memory issues because the information's not getting in and I just work with them, you know, piece by piece to kind of pull apart. Well, here's what's happening, and and here's what you're doing, and here's here's what a non-ADD. I never use the word normal versus abnormal, but That's here's good. what a non-ADD brain does versus an ADD brain. Here's why yours is unique and different, and here's why you are unique and different, and really focused on those strengths versus, you know, you just don't fit in and you're not like everybody else. But you weren't created that way. And the new term is neurodivergent. Everybody's yeah. using that term to mean everything. That's not quite the norm, if you will. Um, but typically, a lot of people in their 30s start to diminish some of the symptoms. Their brain kind of catches up, if you will. Um, ADD folks are about 30% behind the developmental uh, benchmarks. And when you realize that, in other words, if I'm 12, I'm, I'm dealing with mm -hmm. a nine-year-old. I'm not dealing with a 12-year-old. So if you, if you know the 30% rule, then that teaches you how you can relate to and deal with that person more so than if, if not. And it's just a matter of understanding, especially from parents and teachers. And yeah. I try and teach teachers uh, really how to 
look at that brain and look at how it does things differently. Dr. Vince Callahan is the author of The Neural Classroom, Restoring the Stressed Brain. I recommend getting a copy for yourself and one to give to somebody. This is stuff you need to know because more and more people have this than you think, uh, both the stressed brain and ADHD, uh, which uh, I've become a, uh, a uh, passive activist for because <laughs> it's just such an interesting and complex uh, situation. Folks, stick with me. We're coming right back with Dr. Vince Callahan. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, familia, welcome back, amigos. And there's a lot of night owls that listen to this program. Some of you are superintendents of schools. Some of you are on school boards. I know that because I've spoken with you when you've called in and people that I meet in my day-to-day that listen to the show. And Dr. Vince Callahan, he is an adjunct professor. He trains teachers and others. And if you're a church leader or community leader and looking for a workshop, uh, this is your man, Dr. Vince Callahan. And in addition to that, he's got this amazing book, and you've got to go, and I recommend always get two copies. It's worth it. You can keep one, and you can give one to somebody that can benefit from it. The book is called The Neural Classroom, Restoring the Stressed Brain. And this topic of the stressed brain is something that you need to know about because it can be reversed, and Dr. Vince Callahan spells it out wonderfully in his book. Dr. Vince Callahan, let everybody know how they can get a copy of the book and follow the terrific work that you do. Sure. Um, The book is on Amazon. If you just type in Dr. Vince Callahan on Amazon, the book comes up first on the list there, both uh, Kindle or paperback, either one that you want to do. Our website, we've got lots of interviews and podcasts and resources. Um, Again, you can also type in drvincecallahan.com. It'll take you to that same find website. And I just appreciate being on your show and thank you for promoting. And uh, I love talking to you and I, I just really appreciate it. You got it, brother. We'll have you back on again soon. Help push the book. God bless. And we're coming right back, folks. Open Phone America with me, Rich Valdez. Live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late-night talk program, featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Welcome to the program Friday night, and the phone number, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. If you want to join us, this is your chance. Uh, We call it Open Phone America, and, of course, that's inherited from Larry King and the late, great Jim Bohannon. 
And it's uh, your opportunity to weigh in on whatever topic you like, make a statement, ask a question. Honestly, one of my favorite parts of this program, because I love talking to people from really all across the country and uh, learning different perspectives from people. So looking forward to speaking with you or chatting with you after the show when I uh, take a look at my social media. But a few things that are going down in America today, and if it happened in America during the daytime, of course, we talk about it here at night. And, uh, of course, Netanyahu uh, blasted the Biden administration after a visit from Secretary of State Blinken. Uh, Blinken was on deck saying that we need to, of course, um, have a pause, right? The We have to have a pause. And he also said from Tel Aviv that the only path is a two-state solution. I think that this has been proven to be impossible uh, when w- one of those states um, wants to eliminate the other state. <laughs> That's it's just, it's, it's laughable, honestly. Uh, but, uh, Blinken bringing in some hard rhetoric tonight. He says, you know, the way that Israel defends itself matters. Um, he also said we need to increase the sustained flow of humanitarian assistance in Gaza. There's, uh, some drama around that saying they're trying to sneak out wounded terrorists along with, uh, regular civilians. It's a, uh, it's a crazy situation. And, uh, of course, he says that uh, Israel cannot resume control and responsibility for Gaza. I don't think Israel wants that. Um, I, I haven't heard it. Israel say that they want to control and be responsible for Gaza. I said, I, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think they've said they want to er- eradicate Hamas. Um, the Palestinian Authority can do what they've got to do and, of course, um, just keep doing what they do. But my question from earlier remains, if Hamas is the political party in charge in Gaza, why is it that they look to Israel for power, for water and for everything else that they say, oh, they turned off our power. Why why are you getting power and water from them? I mean, if you're Hamas and you're so fantastic and you took control in 2005, that's literally when my daughter was born. It was a long time ago. uh, Then why on earth have you not provided for your citizens? And of course, the question would be, why do they keep electing you? They don't keep electing anybody. They had one election and it was in 2005. So yeah, I don't really want to hear it, uh, honestly, from everybody that's pro Hamas that's out there today and wants to fight with me. I mean, if you want to go right ahead, uh, call and we'll have the conversation, but I don't think you got a leg to stand on, on this one. This is just stupid, right? They just need to be eradicated. And that's that in my opinion. Uh, But I want you to hear uh, Secretary of State Blinken saying the only path forward is a two-state solution. Listen to this, clip number one. The United States continues to believe that the best viable path, indeed the only path, is through a two-state solution. That's the only guarantor of a secure Jewish and democratic Israel. The only guarantor of Palestinians realizing their legitimate right to live in a state of their own, enjoying equal measures of security, freedom, opportunity, and dignity. The only way to end a cycle of violence once and for all. So there we go. Um, We have the the Secretary of State of the United States, um, you know, making these policy decisions, or at least making his recommendations. And I think we've had this discussion. I mean, I don't know, really. If you're listening and you want to correct the record, uh, I'm no expert on this. But haven't you heard about this two-state solution for 
as long as I've been observing politics for the last 20 years or so, um, why, why on earth do we keep talking about this if it's not the way forward? I mean, we could try to say it's the way forward, but they can't agree on anything. And, and it's mainly the other side that can't agree, right? It's, it's uh, Hamas. They're like, no, no, we can't. We can't do this. No, we want to go from, from, from the river to the sea, right? So get rid of Israel, and, and then we can have a two-state solution. Two-state solution with one state, us. It's not going to work, right? It, it's just not going to work. Anyway, that's uh, that piece. Now, you've also got Egypt allowing some civilians out of Gaza, including 400 Americans. Uh, simultaneous report from the New York Post on that saying that uh, they are smuggling out wounded Hamas terrorists with some of these civilians. And that's kind of the formula they're using. Like for every 10 of these, we're letting, you know, X amount of our guys come out. And uh, this is why Biden is causing, uh, calling for a, a pause or a ceasefire uh, to have Netanyahu stop his campaign to destroy Hamas. And um, I can't imagine, you know, I mean, I, I guess, look, I, I can understand it to the point that they don't want people to get caught in crossfire and this and that. But at the end of the day, I think you do have to realize these people were attacked. This is not a, a, a war that they were looking for. This is a war that was brought to them when 1,400 civilians were, were murdered and, and little children were abducted and old women were abducted. I mean, nobody does war like this. I mean, these things may have happened in, in some isolated incidents in different wars. I get that. There's always people that screw things up. This entire war by Hamas, this entire attack, was in itself a war crime. It just was burning little kids, burning villages and uh, stealing old ladies. These are not political uh, prisoners of war. Rather, these are civilians. That's not how that works. But this is what's going on. The stuff on the college campuses continues. You've got a uh, Cornell University now canceling classes after a student was arrested for making threats against who? The Jewish students. I mean, it's like open season on the Jews right now. Not cool in any way, but that's what's going on. Uh, yesterday, I reminded you that Sam Bankman-Fried was found guilty in the uh, trial uh, over FTX. And it, it's just, uh, it really is just, in my opinion, a, a very bad situation. So anyway, I want to continue here. I want to continue with your calls and more. Let's see what we got here. We've got Idaho, Michigan, Montana, Ohio, and the lines continue to ring. The phone number 833-482-5337. Let me see here. Let's go with Paul, Boise, Idaho, KBOI. Go right ahead. Thanks for taking my call, Rich. That was a good intro. A lot of good information I'm all around. Thank you. Um, I think one of the main questions that came up in my head today was just exactly how many Palestinians in World War II were gassed and then burned alive at Auschwitz. I think everybody knows the answer that there was over 2 million Jews that right. that happened to. And Absolutely. if you're going to find sympathy for, for, some, for some kind of people that have been treated the way they treated, they should get some kind of empathy and sympathy and the, the ability to defend themselves and the way they see fit necessary. Now, what you described was about the 
people that died on the 7th. That was not Geneva Convention war rules. Nope. Not even close. You're right. And I think that's part of the issue, right? Part of the issue is everybody's saying, oh, but you can't do this and you can't do that. Listen, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how many ways to say this. Um, and and I, I'm, I'm really, I'm a little bit out of a loss here. I'm at a loss because I feel like w- what kind of Kool-Aid does one drink that when someone does something like this to you, to your country, that you're supposed to sit there and give them the, the white glove treatment? And somehow there is such an incredible focus on on civilians. And listen, I'm not saying we shouldn't look at civilians. I'm just saying I, I've been around for a few different wars and I'm, I'm a young guy, 45 years old. So I think the first war that I saw on television was um, Iraq, Afghanistan. You see some you know videos from other things, um, Afghanistan that never ended until the other day. And, uh, you know, a couple of other incursions we've had that were like kind of dust ups. But and there was the Abu Ghraib disaster. Okay, got it. Seen all this stuff. Haven't seen much, but I've seen what I've seen. I've never, ever heard. um, You know, we were like we had these bunker buster bombs that were trying to get inside of caves in Afghanistan. Not once were they saying, well, the Taliban has, you know, the women and children of the Taliban. We have to make sure that's understood that when you're in a war, you're fighting against the militant, right? You're fighting against the soldiers of the other country, the other team, the other people, like Biden says, the other team, right? So, I mean, these are always um, uh, things that go without saying, but all of a sudden now it's like, well, you know, half of, half of Gaza are under the age of 18. Oh, holy crap. Okay, great. So half are under 18. Were they thinking of that when they went and they torched these people's homes, burned small children? I, I don't understand. I just, you know, there's an old saying on the street, don't start none and there won't be none. Well, they started some. So there's going to be a whole lot of smoke here, right? Obviously, there's going to be a lot of smoke. And and this is, I'm not calling for the death of anybody. Israel waited, I don't know, 10 or 12 days before they moved in to uh, make the announcements and said, hey, get out, get out, get out. There's no water. There's no power. Get out. Now, I understand some people want to go down with the ship, just like when they say there's a hurricane coming and this is coming and that's coming and you've got to evacuate. And some people say, no, screw that. I'm going down with the, with the ship. I'm staying here. It's my house. That's your prerogative. But you know what you're doing. You know the choice you're making. And to me, it's just it's crazy that uh, we continue to have these conversations that are just so sympathetic to things that we've never looked at before. Now, you could make the argument and say, well, Rich, just because we never looked at it doesn't mean we should never look at it. Okay, I'll I'll bite on that. Why not? So we're going to redefine the rules of war now that when you're attacked by terrorists that go and hide in hospitals, that all of a sudden we have to make sure we take everything into consideration. You know, what? given the fact, Mr. Hamas, uh, that uh, your 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 team, as Biden says, um, you know, killed all these people. But because so many of their civilians are under the age of 18, um, we're, we're we think that you probably shouldn't fight back. You know, or when the other day somebody called and said, oh, they killed 1400 Jews and now there's over 8000 dead on the Hamas side. When is enough enough? I think the the mission is clear. Eradicate Hamas. Right? ISIS was blowing things up all over the place. They were bombing things in in Europe, they were bombing things in the Middle East, they were bombing things in the trying to bomb bomb things in the United States. Um all sorts of different attacks, truck attacks, knife attacks, they were going wild. What happened? They killed them from the top down. You kill the leaders and you keep going. 
right? The fish rots from the head. And guess what? ISIS may still be around, but they're still, they're recruiting. They're weakened to the point where they're not causing the damage that they were causing. That's what has to happen to Hamas. Punto y final, period, the end. I can't think of another way to say that. Paul, excellent point about who the victims were and on the history of these victims. Uh, I salute you, sir. Paul in Boise, Idaho, KBOI. Folks, we come back with the rest of your calls and more straight ahead. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. My hand should cross America to the liberty-loving Latino, Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, familia, welcome back, America. Listen to this. So there's a janitor in New Jersey, school janitor, elementary school janitor, accused of contaminating food and utensils with bleach and bodily foods. Yep, that's real. And if I said it wrong, fluids, not foods, (laughs) bodily fluids. Listen to this. This uh, janitor in New Jersey is facing a list of charges, including child endangerment for allegedly contaminating food and utensils with both bleach and bodily fluids. 25-year-old Giovanni Impelaziri of Vineland, New Jersey, is also charged with aggravated assault and tampering with food. Impelaziri was employed by the Elizabeth Moore School in Upper Deerfield School District. According to the Cumberland County Prosecutor's Office, the state police were contacted by school authorities on Monday after receiving tips about social media posts that allegedly depicted Impelaziri I can't say this word, impelizari, from performing sex acts with what are described as inanimate objects at the school. Listen to that headline again, or this sentence. The prosecutor's office was contacted by the state police when school authorities received tips about social media posts that showed this guy putting utensils and other items in his body and putting his bodily fluids on these objects at, at the school. So the school didn't catch him. The people caught him because he was putting it online. How sick is this? The investigation revealed Impelazeri allegedly contaminated food products and utensils with saliva, urine, and feces. In one incident, police say Impelazeri sprayed bleach into a container of cucumbers with the intent of harming children. Or maybe he was trying to clean them after he tried to sit on them. What a sicko. In another incident, police say that Impelazeri touched his private areas with bread, spit on the bread, 
then put the bread back into a container to be served to the children. What a whack job. This is a public health crisis at this point. We don't know who, where he's been, said Rachel Jenkins. Kids are getting sick, having diarrhea, vomiting, and we're blaming it on a belly bug when in reality it could be hepatitis, it could be food poisoning, said uh, Christensia Jenkins, who uh, was a parent, and she says, like, who knows what else he's putting in there? Yeah, I agree with her. Prosecutors say M. Pelizzeri did all of this while employed by the school where he has worked since September of 2019. Investigators say they're trying to determine exactly when the alleged acts occurred. As disgusted as parents are about the accusations, they're also upset with the school. Well, no kidding. This is insanity. I'm going to continue with this straight ahead. I want to get your thoughts and opinions on this as well. 833-482-5337. Parents don't pay a ton of money in, in taxes, especially in New Jersey, just to have this happen, to have their kids endangered by the people that work in the school. Not acceptable. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez coming right back. Folks, so yes, I am uh, I'm disgusted by this story. I really am. Uh, this janitor in a school, 25-year-old guy whose name I can barely pronounce, uh, Impelizari is his name. Um, let me just make sure I got it right here. Uh, Mr. Hmm. Giovanni Impelizari, violent New Jersey, charged with aggravated assault, tampering with food, uh, child endangerment, contaminating utensils with bleach and bodily fluids. Uh, this guy was all over the place, putting things in his butt, serving this food to the children. He's a janitor. He's not even a food worker there. Uh, absolutely insane. How'd they catch him? He put it on social media. Somebody saw it, reported it to the school. Parents found out. The school sends a robocall saying, hey, look, this guy's been let go. He's been suspended. Meanwhile, kids are getting sick. They're having diarrhea. They're vomiting, and they're blaming it on a stomach bug when in reality it could be hepatitis. It could be food poisoning and um, amongst other things. That's one parent saying that. Her name is Christensia Jenkins. Uh, you've got other parents saying lots of different things. Uh, according to the the uh, the prosecutor's office, the school learned of the accusations on Monday and contacted the police. In Pelizzeri was arrested on Tuesday. Parents say they didn't hear from the school until Wednesday when they got a robocall from the school saying an employee was on leave. How's that? Listen, if, if I am a principal of a school, I understand. Look, I, I've been a school board member for a number of years. You have to take this seriously and you have to protect these kids. People are entrusting their kid to you and you have to take the job seriously. I mean, there really is no other way to do this. If something goes down in your school, you have to put your big boy pants on. 
your big girl pants on and say, hi, something bad happened and we want you to know what happened. You, of course, you don't want to scare parents, but guess what? Something crazy is happening. You got to let them know the truth. The district didn't contact the health department until Thursday. So again, I would ask, why wouldn't you have called the health department on, on Tuesday or on Monday when you found out, when you called the cops? I mean, why not do everything, when, especially if kids are getting sick? Uh, it also sent parents a text asking for tips and saying that no students were involved. Now, they don't know that yet. There's an investigation going on. So why make this declaratory statement saying no students were involved? Because you want to allay the fears of the parents. I get that. But you don't put your... Um, need, desire, will to absolve yourself from anything and put all the blame on this guy when this is clearly a problem, right? So if there's bodily fluids, one parent said this, if there's bodily fluids and all this other stuff going around, that is direct involvement. The superintendent addressed some parents Friday in the parking lot who came to pick up their kids. A second call was made to parents on Friday saying in part, I want to start by saying I understand how difficult the situation is for everyone involved. I'm just going to stop him right there and say, Mr. Superintendent, Madam Superintendent, if you don't have a kid in that school that ate a piece of bread or a cucumber that was in this man's rectum or whatever else happened in this place, then you can't say that. You have to say, I can't even imagine how difficult this is for you to go through because you don't know because your kid may not be getting sick. You have to use some sense here. Anyway, it says, we're here for you, and we will provide support if students or staff have questions. Yeah, everybody's going to have a damn question, sir. You have to keep providing answers. You need to, to, to get in front of this thing, not get behind it. School administrators that do this stuff, they really, really piss me off because there is a responsibility, and this is the, the responsibility, keeping the kids safe. You can't just be like, hey, listen, I'm a really high-paid administrator, and I'm just here to tell you all these people broke the rules, and I, but it's okay. We're going to get to the bottom of it. No, you've got to let them know what we're doing, what we're doing different. How are we going to prevent this from happening again? I understand it's ongoing. You've got to get tough. You've got to get tough and stick up for little kids. Anyway, it says parents have now started a petition for the superintendent to be fired. No, duh. I'm, he's lucky some hot-headed dad didn't come and pay him a personal visit with a knuckle sandwich. This is real life. Tell me, most people don't want to fight in life. But if, if someone, and I understand, we have to be reasonable. This guy didn't do something directly to their kid. But this is on his watch. He's got to assume the responsibility and say, look, the buck stops with me. And I'm going to make sure this doesn't happen again. Something happened to your kid. We're getting to the bottom of it. Not Nothing happened to the kids. Nobody even knows if that happened yet. This thing's been being investigated since Monday. You just got to tell them the facts that you know and move forward. Anyway, the district has not responded to multiple requests from comments from uh, Channel 6 News out of Philly. They should answer some questions. They should be very forthright and very uh, open. You know, I mean, I understand when the cops do these active shooter things and they don't know how many people are killed and they haven't told the family, they say, look, I can't answer that right now. That's a different story. Right now, these are little kids that are alive and could be sick. You've got to say, look, here's what we know right now. And we're going to get to the bottom of it. And yes, your concerns are all valid. There's nothing that any parent's going to say there that's wrong. If they're mad and they're telling you to go after yourself, yes, I'm. thank you. Thank you, may I have another. My bad, and I'm working on it. You, you have to become the parent's ally, not their obstacle. Anyway, um, and not their adversary for sure. Officials say the school district is working with the Department of Health to ensure utensils, food prep areas, and surfaces have been sanitized. 
sanitized, and the food in question has been discarded. The food, all the food has to be discarded. You don't know what's going on. That's the point. And that's the type of stuff, the action you have to take and say, look, we're not going to start picking and choosing here and leave something on the table. We're getting rid of everything. We're doing a complete overhaul of this. We're bringing in a cleanup team. You know, let people know you're taking this stuff seriously. I'd like to see guys with hazmat suits there bleaching everything and making sure that these kids are going to be okay. Spare no expense. Do what you got to do. The prosecutor's office says it's also collecting samples from Impella's area to see if any diseases could have been transmitted. Well, thank God. Somebody's thinking. Once uh, this has been determined, prosecutors say the next steps will be to provide uh, the health department with that information. Uh, For now, here's a quote. For now, parents and students and others who may have consumed contaminated food should contact their health care provider if they show signs of illness, particularly severe illness, according to the health department in a statement. Yeah. You know why? The health department is doing the right thing here. They had nothing to do with this. Right. The health department, they're just saying, hey, look. Take your kid to the doctor if they're sick. Why didn't the superintendent say that? Why'd they send out a robocall saying, oh, no kids were affected? Come on, what kind of pendejo is this guy? Unbelievable. Anyway, um, let's go to one call before we take a pause. Sarah, Bedford, Indiana, WBIW. Go right ahead. Hey, uh, this makes me sick. I work as a janitor at a school. And it makes me really I know sick. you do, and you do the night shift, and, and, and you do a, a, an amazing job, and this has got to disgust you the way it disgusts me. Well, you know, does the guy not have a, 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 if he's that crazy, surely he's got a criminal record. I mean, you're supposed to go through a background check. Even parents who chaperone kids on bus trips or stuff have to go through a background check. Did he not really have, I mean, did, does he not have a pass? Uh, secondly, he probably did work second shift because he's probably got keys to everything. So if you, if you want to go forward, you'll have to limit the access and change the key cores. But the thing is, if they do that to where the night shift can't get into the kitchen, that's fine. But someone needs to walk through that kitchen and make sure no one's left ovens on because, believe it or not, I have had to shut stuff off that was left on or doors unlocked. You know what I mean? So yeah. somebody, if they want, you know, and I'm telling you what, they, if they catch these this guy and he's uh, guilty, they need to burn him at the stake or hang him. Some kind of example, like, if you're a pervert, you stay away from our kids and don't do this because you'll be burned alive like that guy was. I, I got no sympathy, and they need to have a real, real justice that would scare the rest of them from even thinking of working at a school. I'm with you, Sarah. You know, uh, I, years ago when I became a school board member, I had to get fingerprinted, background checked, and um, in order to get certified by the state of New Jersey as a school board member. And um, I have zero or very minimal contact with any students. I go to meetings that are once the school is closed and uh, on occasion, if they want to bring the board to uh, an event that the school's doing, like Read Across America, Dr. Seuss, I've, I've had the privilege of reading to the little scholars in their classroom and whatnot. Um, but those are very, you know, twice in the last eight or nine, 10 years. So um, I, I agree with you. We need to know who, I don't know if he was uh, vetted and he passed it because he's just a sexual deviant with a mental illness and decided to do this stuff. And now is the first time he's getting caught. Uh, but this is what these investigations will reveal. Uh, I'm, I'm particularly disappointed. Yeah, again, if you're on a, on a cruise ship, separate analogy, if you're on a cruise ship and one of the food service workers or one of the maintenance staff or whatever it is decides to do this same type of thing, contaminating food and doing whatever, um, how do you think the captain of the ship is going to handle that, right? They'll probably keep it in-house and keep it uh, tight. But if people are getting sick, they're going to have to come forward and say, you know, attention passengers, my bad. Uh, we've, we've had an incident where there was some stuff and, you know, we're at sea and we can't, uh, we're trying to determine the food that was affected. Uh, we're going to get rid of all of it. 
and we're going to do what we can. You know, they have to take responsibility. Uh, imagine the liability if they go, oh, no, 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 nothing happened. And people start getting sick and the story comes out later because somebody finds out on social media. They would be caught with their pants down. So the school district has to do the right thing here. And the superintendent, I don't know who he or she is, but we definitely have to find out and maybe invite him on the show and find out what's going on with this uh, response and give them a chance to, to share their side. But right now, this doesn't seem good. And again, it's a middle school. So what's the, the oldest kid might be 12 years old in a middle school? This is a horrible story. And uh, and it's an elementary school, so it's not even a middle school. You're talking about there's kindergarten, there's there. First graders, second graders, third graders. These are small children. Um, you know, it's, they, they get sick just being small children, let alone being in contact with this man's uh, orifices. Absolutely disgusting. Anyway, getting to your calls and more, we got calls from Maine, from Oregon, from Ohio, Montana, Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, and more. 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And we've talked about the 2024 election. We've talked about uh, the effects of marijuana potentially not working for for the cessation of anxiety. Uh, we've talked about uh, all sorts of mental issues. And and I want to get uh, your opinions on lots of things, especially with uh, global affairs as well. Let's go to Paul, Zanesville, Ohio, WHIZ. Paul, go right ahead. Hey, good evening, Rich. Uh, as far as that guy, that uh, gender or whatever, that's beyond um, disgusting. That's just sick. Um, and uh, also, I would like to bring up that. Um, uh, OK, wait a minute. I got it right here. Hold on a minute, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, with the Hamas. Yeah, Hamas. Um, okay. They're just terrorists. OK, they're just terrorists. And it's plain and simple. If they have to flood the tunnels over there, go ahead and flood them. You brought that to my attention. I didn't know they had those tunnels over there. Um, but uh, you got to do what you got to do over there, um, in my opinion. And then I want to talk about this thing called uh, sundowning. Have you oh, heard yes. of it? We've been about the brain. I, I know all yeah. about it. Let me tell you just briefly my experience with it. My dad had a brain injury that prompted something called uh, a traumatic brain injury, a TBI, and they called it TBI-related dementia. And uh, it was like everybody else's dementia, but it was brought on by a traumatic brain injury. And he would sundown every day around the same time, whenever the sun went down. And it was a really rough experience. He would go from just not being 100% to being like 50%. And, you know, like, what's going on? Why are you in my house? Who are you? What's He would become agitated. He'd become paranoid. Um, Dad was a tough guy with big rock solid hands. And he would, you know, he would fight flight or or freeze he never froze and he didn't flee right so it was always fight for him and um it, it's a very difficult thing but some people experience emotional breakdowns they cry it's it's a very heartbreaking thing if you love the person that's having uh, sundown syndrome 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, um, you know, you, you, I've waited about twenty minutes or twenty-five minutes or so, but that's a good thing because people are calling Rich Valdez, and you're doing a great job. Um, so that sundowning, my wife has it real bad too, and oh, she gets depressed and everything. Yeah, but but it's okay because I've been with her for a long time, but I, I know how to handle it. But now she's all she also has COVID. <laughs> she oh. just she got it about five days ago, um, so we're we're going through that and everything, but. Um, as far as the Hamas, they're terrible. Um, that guy that you was talking about, he's just a sicko. They ought to fire him immediately. I hope they did. You know, um, I was a sub too, just like Sarah there. Um, I, well, she's a full time, I think, but I was a sub for 16 months. I would never ever think of doing something like that. That's that's just crazy. They ought to lock the guy up. You know? I agree with you, Paul. 100%. You're right, spot on. And uh, my prayers are with you in, in dealing with your wife. I know that's tough to deal with. Godspeed to you, my friend. Uh, Let's see. We pause right here. We come back with the speed round and the rest of your calls. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, we go to the phone. Speed round. Keep it really brief. Get straight to the point so we can get everybody in. Let's go to Linda, Kalamazoo, Michigan, listening online to KDKA. Go right ahead, Linda. Yeah, I just wanted to ask originally a question. Is the the, uh, supplements that uh, he was talking about, Dr. Uh, Callahan was talking about, I wondered if you if he thought that they were better with or without the traditional meds, but obviously I couldn't ask him that. Um, as far as the other stuff with the uh, that janitor, yeah, he needs to go, and he maybe he needs to see Callahan. <laughs> I think you're right, Linda. Yeah, and what he was talking about was something called "Put Me to Sleep." Those are gummies sold by Doctor Daniel Amen, and uh, he, he's a terrific um, psychiatrist, uh, Doctor Amen, and. Uh, Terrific psychologist, Dr. Callahan. Um, I appreciate it, and I think you're right. we got to lock him up and send this guy to one of these shrinks because this guy's nuts. Let's continue with the calls here. Let's go to uh, Allison, Portland, Maine, WLOB. Quickly, go right ahead. I know I don't have much time, but last time I tried to talk about this, you um, were kind of mad with me. I didn't get mad. Over over 9,000 Palestinians have been killed, and a lot of them are civilians, including a few thousand children. And it's not just one-sided, you know, they, they, the way that the Israelis are acting towards them, and I know they were horribly persecuted a long time ago, Jews, but the Palestinians have been persecuted for many, many years, too, because they were driven out of their homeland, and, and now they're being wiped out and Gaza's being leveled, and I do not think this is fair and equitable and by any means. That's all I wanted to say. Thank you. Thank you, Allison. I appreciate that. I haven't... Um heard that that these statistics that you're talking about from what i understand they're doing a door-to-door raid on, on buildings that they believe where the um, terrorists are and um, <clears throat> i i do of course understand that there may be mistakes that are made and whatnot but from what i understand they're getting the right people if i'm wrong i'm happy to correct the record and join you in that opinion uh, i think they got to get the bad guys but at the same time you've got to get people out of there and when you turn off the water, you turn off the power, and you make a million and three announcements saying, get out of Dodge because we're coming in with a wrecking ball. We've got to get people out of there. 
And I'm not going to blame Netanyahu for not getting people out of there because those aren't his people. I'm going to blame Hamas, the people that claim to be defending these people. And they're not doing a great job defending anybody. So um, shame on them. The blood is on their hands. Let us continue. Thank you, Allison. I appreciate it. Um, where do we go from here? Um, Dan, West Salem, Wisconsin. W-I-Z-M. Go right ahead. Thank you much, Rich. Like you, I share uh, ADD. They they put me in uh, special ed in the third grade because I tend to talk all the time and disturb the kids. <laughs> and uh, I used to get in trouble with the other kids in my neighborhood for talking, and I'd talk myself into trouble. And then I found uh, I'd take a little marijuana joint, and I'd go down to a local creek, and I'd sit there and listen to the babbling brook. I'd smoke the doobie, and I'd, I'd hum to myself for about an hour and a half until I felt calm and relaxed and stable and grounded, and I'd go back, and everything was good. And that's the contrast between pot being good for some people and bad for others. The left-brain critical-thinking people who have to have all their words spelled right and grammar good or they're going to comment on YouTube to point that out, that's not good for them because they don't live in the right brain. They're not creative and daydreaming and going into fantasy land. They have to stay in their fear-based critical thinking. So mm. for as uh, Louis Armstrong said, it makes the music better because he could visualize, he could be creative. And pot is for the artist in us. Well, you know, I, I agree with that to a point. Uh, I don't use marijuana, but I will say I definitely am creative. And I'm sure that the effects of uh, some old school grass would help back in the days. But the stuff that's out there now, I don't know if it's the same. And these doctors agree it's not working out. Hasta la próxima. Take care. Good night. And God bless. I'm Rich Valdez. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.